Hey everyone, welcome back to another Plugged In episode on the CPC Podcast. This Plugged In episode is brought to you by Gravity Student Ministries, the youth ministries of Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We pray that this episode blesses you and challenges you and gives you the answers that you have been looking for for quite some time. I know that this message is going to be anointed and we know that it's going to bless you. So without any further ado, let's get into today's Plugged In episode. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. If you don't have it, it's on the screen. The Bible says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say you are, the, you are Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you. There are some things you cannot receive in the flesh. There are some things you have to get in the Spirit to understand. There are some things you have to be in the presence of God for it to come to you the way God wants it to come to you. And we are in that place tonight. He said, flesh and blood have not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." The key verse here for tonight I want to bring out is verse 18 where he says, Thou art Peter and upon this rock. Everybody say the rock. The rock. rock, On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will never be able to prevail against this church. And I want to talk about the rock tonight. I want to talk about that rock. I wonder if we could just raise our hands and let's just entertain His presence for just a few more moments. And let's just ask God to minister in this room. Ask God to speak to you. I want you to make this prayer personal right now. God, speak to my heart. Speak to my mind. Show me something. Give me a word. Give me something that I need. Father, I want you to just move in this place tonight. Have your way. Jesus, your presence is evident in this room right now. You are here to minister. And I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you for being in this room where you can change lives. I can do nothing without you. I pray that you would do that tonight and minister in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Everybody clap your hands and worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name, you may be seated in his presence tonight. I know that everyone in here under the sound of my voice has felt feelings of loneliness. You have felt feelings of unwantedness, like you don't feel wanted, that you are lonely, and that you aren't good enough. I know that because 
we are all in the same boat. We all are flesh and human beings. It's in our nature to feel like we don't measure up. It's in our nature to feel like we are not adequate with somebody else. It's in our nature to feel like we don't measure up to the person that we are sitting right beside in here tonight. It's just our nature. It's the spirit of comparison is real. And I've talked with a couple, with a few of you in here about that at different times. But the spirit of comparison is real. It is so real that if you find yourself caught in its web, you could eventually walk away from your own ministry because you think that God never called you to that ministry in the first place. Because you are constantly comparing yourself to somebody else. That is one of the main threats besides sin that your age group faces. The spirit of comparison. I can remember when I was about 15 years old, I got asked to play drums downstairs with my mom's worship team. Years ago, when my mom attended this church, she had her own worship team, and the praise team and her worship team would alternate on Sundays. And so we had two other full-time drummers here at that time, and, and both of them weren't available, and, and I was 15. And so being that that was my mom, she was like, hey, you're playing drums tonight in main service. And I'm like, you got to be joking. I don't want to play drums in main service. I, I, I don't feel like I could measure up to the two full-time drummers that we had in the church. I found myself in this web that I could not measure up to their skill. I couldn't measure up to their ability. And even though that I had professional training for years at that time, I've been playing drums since I was six I had professional drum training for years at 15. I still was comparing myself to older people around me. I found myself comparing to the people around me. But the fact of the matter is, is that God called me to play drums for His kingdom. The fact of the matter was, it didn't matter how I felt about it, God was calling me to do something for His kingdom. And that was my first opportunity to do something for His kingdom. God never calls you to a ministry and then expects you to sit down on that ministry. I'll say that again. God never calls you to something and then, and then is okay with you sitting down on that ministry. If God took the time to give you the talent and the ability to do something, God expects you to use that talent regardless of how you feel about it. There are people in here right now that feel like you haven't done enough. You feel like God is pushing you to do more this year for His kingdom. You feel like you want to do something more, but you also feel like you can't do that because of the negative feelings that you have. You feel like you can't do that because of how you feel. But I'm here to tell you today that God is more powerful than those feelings. God has enough anointing to pull someone out of a boat and let them walk on water. God has enough power to touch someone's stutter and let them preach fluently. God has enough anointing to pull someone that was shy and never speaks behind a pulpit and talk, and, and talk about a spark. I'm here to tell you that God can take what you have and make it so much more than you ever thought you could do with it. 
I'm here to tell you all tonight that the rock that we are founded on, the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, has enough power to give you all the tools that you need to do what God is calling you to do. And when I was thinking about this message tonight, I thought about these feelings that most most teens and and young adults have and and these feelings of maybe you you think that you're way too young or you think that there are older people in those positions so so I guess I just I'm just not there yet or you think that you don't measure up to those bigger people in the church And, and 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 I thought about this from my own life and even in my own life and then my mind went to rocks. That's right. Rocks. I thought about rocks, and if you look at a rock, I was hoping somebody threw away my rocks. If you look at a rock, this rock has been broken before. It has cracks on it. It's, it's, it's pale in certain sides of it. It's been through some things, right? And sometimes these rocks are very, very small. Sometimes these rocks are very small. They don't weigh very much. Most people would look at this little rock as useless. Most people would look at this little rock and walk all over it and never think twice about it. We walk on gravel all the time, and we never care about how that rock feels. We will walk all over rocks and think, not think twice about it because this little rock to us is pointless, and it's useless, and it has no value, and it's just there. It's just there to make something look prettier. We put rocks in front of our... Fellowship Paul. Why? Because it just looks prettier. We don't care about them. Kids throw them. They run all over them. They dig holes in them. Nobody cares about the little rock with cracks on it. We kick them around like they are nothing more than something that makes something else look better. But what you have to understand is that this little rock is just as hard now than when it was before it was broken off a bigger piece of stone. This little rock is still hard. Even though it came off of something bigger, it's still very, very hard. No one in here could crush this with their hands. No one in here could jump on this rock and it break. No one in here could do that. It's just as hard. Just because it has gone through a breaking period does not mean that this little rock is not still hard. This rock still has the ability to cause some serious damage. Serious damage. I can remember whenever me and the youth pastor, Brendan Walls, was six years old in daycare. Yes, that's where we met. Six years old at daycare. One day, we threw little rocks at vehicles going down the road beside the playground. We picked up these little insignificant rocks that we nobody cared about and we hurled them at trucks. And he can, I'm not lying behind a pulpit. 
But one day, a certain man slammed on his brakes, <laughs> threw his truck in reverse, squealed the tires out, came back and gave our teacher a very inspirational message on how to correct the child in the proper manner. You got to catch my drift on that one. Gave her, gave her a really thought-provoking, inspirational, tear-jerking speech about how you, how you need to correct the child. Why did he do that? Why did that man do that? Why, what, why did he? Because those little rocks caused damage. And even though they were broken off of something bigger, even though they were cracked, even though they looked pale, even though that they were insignificant, they still caused serious damage. And I'm here to tell somebody tonight that even though you have been broken in your past, even though you might have cracks that you didn't ask for, even though you feel pale in some areas of your life, you still have enough power to cause some serious damage to your enemy. You still have enough power to give the devil a black eye. Don't let yourself think that you are some little insignificant nothing that can't do anything. God has a enough power to let this rock take care of your enemies. I am reminded of David. Not me, David in the Bible. I'm reminded of David as he stepped out onto that battlefield with his brothers. The giant, that Goliath, was taunting his people and threatening to destroy the children of God. And the Bible says that he went over, went over to a brook and picked up five smooth stones. We had a friend that traveled to that battlefield, way over there, somewhere, way over there beside Israel and all that. He traveled to that battlefield and... He brought me back one of the stones from that brook. And the brook is dried up now, but the rocks were still there. He went to that brook and he, he picked up these stones. And this would have been the stone. This would have been the type of stone that David literally went up to the brook, picked it up, and put that in his sling. It would have looked something like this. This would be what David used to kill Goliath on that day. And even though it's just a simple stone, a single stone, even though it's just a rock that came out of a stream of hundreds of rocks that looked just like this one, it still had the ability to knock down the giant in David's life. It still had the ability to knock down the giant. It can hit the situations that are causing these feelings of loneliness and unwantedness in your life, and it can literally kill them. The stone in, that, that David picked up had enough power to knock down the biggest obstacle that his people faced at that time. And this was just one of the rocks out of that brook. I'm sure there were thousands of rocks in that brook. And let me tell you something. Just as he pulled one of those stones 
out of that brook. We are, have all been called to come out from the rest of the people in this world. We all might look the same. We all might act the same. We all might have the same body structure and all that good stuff. But God is calling you to do something more powerful than just sit in a stream. You're not called to sit in a stream with thousands of other rocks. You're called to come out from among them and be used to do something powerful for the kingdom of God. We all might look the same, but God has called this group right here, this group of students, to come out from among the rest and do something more powerful than just sit in a stream. God is about to use you to knock down giants in your generation. Hear me right now. What you feel in this room, what God is tugging on you to do, coming out of your comfort zones this year, I've already seen multiple one of you do that, and it's only February. You wait until December how much you're doing for God. God is going to keep pulling you out of that stream. God is saying, okay, I've, I've filled you with the Holy Ghost. I've called you. Now you've got to start moving out the stream. Now you've got to start moving away from everybody else. I'm calling you to do something else. I'm calling you to go further. You can't go where I'm calling you to go if you're going to stay in the stream. God is about to kill some things that has been tormenting you and your generation for years and years. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Hear me right now. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. God is going to use you to knock down and destroy your enemies. I looked up some scriptures about rocks. And the Bible has a lot of comparisons with rocks. First question I had was, who is the rock? Who is that rock that Peter was talking about? If you go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 4, they have it on the screen. The Bible says, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. He is a God of truth. He is a God of truth. If you want to follow God, you have to follow him in truth. You have to follow him in the way he said you have to follow him. We can't just take one scripture and run with it and make that what we believe. You have to, oh no, you have to find the truth for yourself. We can teach the truth all day long and we do teach the truth and we preach the truth around here. But it's got to get in your heart. It's got to hit you. You've got to have the revelation for yourself. You've got to have it come to your heart and your soul. You've got to have it. For yourself, you've got to have that revelation that you have to be baptized in Jesus' name, as the Bible says, and you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. The Bible says that we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I'm glad that we have the Spirit. I'm glad that the Holy Ghost moves and we run the aisles and we jump up and down and we speak in tongues and we get the goosebumps. But you can't just worship Him in the Spirit. You've got to worship Him in the truth. You've got to obey the teachings of God. You've got to learn them for yourself. You've got to seek Him in the Scriptures. You've got to know and believe the plan of salvation for yourself. Because when you start walking in the truth, God can use you in the Spirit. When you start walking in the truth, 
truth. God will elevate you in the spirit. You don't have to worry about the spirit part. Just walk in the truth. And God will take you further in the spirit than you ever thought you could go. This rock can smite down the enemies in your life. This rock is none other than Jesus Christ Himself. He is the only one that can take you to a higher level. I can't do it. Brother Brendan can't do it. Sister Sarah can't do it. Sister Jolie can't do it. Brother Taylor can't do it. We cannot take you higher. If I could, you would all be missionaries right now, reach having thousand soul revivals everywhere. If I could elevate you, I would make you the greatest worship leader in the world. I'd make you the greatest preacher in the world. I'd sit down and hear you preach. If I could do it, but I can't do it. You've got to let God do it. You've got to let God take control. He is the only one who is able to actually do this. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 2 Verse 2 says, There is none holy as as the Lord, for there is none beside me, neither is there any rock like our God. I'm here to tell you tonight, and you you might as well just get this in your heart right now. You've got to get in the presence of something stronger than what you're going through to get over it. I'm here to tell you tonight, there is nobody like Jesus. There is nothing like Jesus. I'm here to tell you tonight, you can't find this in a pill. You can't find this in a drink. You can't find this in a girl. You can't find this in a boy. You can't find this on the internet. You can't find this in gaming consoles. You can't find this on Twitch. You can't find this on anywhere. The only place that you're going to find this is in the presence of a mighty God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. You can't find this in popularity. You can't find this in influence. You can't find this on a sports team. The only place that you can find life-changing power is in the presence of an almighty God. The only place that you can get what you need is in the presence of that rock of ages. If you have an addiction of any kind in here tonight... I'm here to tell you, you've got to receive something stronger than that addiction to get rid of it. If you're ever going to get over that addiction, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say that anyone in here has one. I'm just saying, if you do have a problem with something, the only way that you're going to get out of that addiction, you, you can talk to this man back here after service. He can testify. The only way that you're going to get over a hang-up, the only way that you're going to get over something that you've tried forever to get out of is when you elevate, is when you find yourself at an altar of repentance and you get in the presence of God and God can deliver you from any Anything that you find yourself in. Uh, If you have problems in your mind tonight, you've got to get in the presence of something stronger than those mental attacks. This is the rock that can destroy your sins. 
This is the rock that can heal your mind. This is the rock that can restore your family. But you've got to be willing to put your face in the carpet and get over your pride and get over your ego and get over everything that you tried to elevate on your own and let that holy God come in and fix some things that's in your life. You cannot be a new version of yourself on your own. Your human nature does not allow you to have, that, have the right amount of strength to make changes on your own. You can't do it. You need something stronger than your sin in order to get rid of it. And I hate to break this to you, but you are not strong enough. I hate to, I hate to be the bearer of bad news tonight, but you cannot get over the spirit of comparison by yourself. You cannot get over the spirit of depression by yourself. You can't get over the spirit of anxiety by yourself. I don't care what you came in here with. You are not strong enough. You're not. And you cannot continue to keep living this life of sinning and then feeling sorry about it and then asking God to forgive you and then you go back home and you do it all over again. You can't live in that way and expect God to elevate you. I want you to look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. This is in the New Living Translation. He says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Should we just keep on doing the same thing over and over and just, and just expect God to give us grace and grace and grace and forgiveness? Next verse. Drum roll. Of course not. He said, of course not. Since we have died to sin... How do we do that? Through repentance and through being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's how you die to sin. Through dying, being died dead to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I'm here to tell you that when you get baptized in Jesus' name, you go down in water and that old man dies. Everything that you went through is dead. And you come out that water and you are a new creature in Christ. And if you really want to be brand new tonight, you need the Holy Ghost. You... You need the Holy Ghost. And you don't just need the Holy Ghost one time. You've got to get that renewing every day of your life if you can. You've got to get in that presence every day. If you really want to be a new person this year, you need to make that choice to be baptized in Jesus' name this year. If you haven't been baptized, you need to make that choice today. I'm ready for my sins to be washed away. Those sins that have tried to, that you have tried to shake off for years and years on your own can be erased from your life. It can be gone away forever. You, you, you'll never have to worry about that past record anymore. The moment you start being honest with God and telling Him that you can't handle this thing on your own and you're in need of a Savior, that is music to His ears, my friend. It's not some complicated, drawn-out process. The people in Acts chapter 2 said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter didn't water it down. He didn't make it complicated. He gave them two steps. Two steps. 
Number one, you have to repent. I don't know why I'm teaching this, but I just have to. Number one, you got to repent. And that doesn't mean that you repent one time and you're done. Because we are all flesh. And I have made mistakes before I stepped on this platform. And what I had to do at pre-service prayer, I had to find myself in the carpet and I had to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Don't let me get behind that pulpit with anything in my heart. Don't let me lead worship with anger in my heart. Don't let me play an instrument with bitterness in my heart because I don't want to interrupt the flow of the service. Especially if you're going to be on a platform. You have got to find a place in the carpet before you sing, before you preach, before you play, before you even do prayer requests. I don't care what you do. If you get in the presence of God, if you join a service, you have to get your flesh under submission. You have to. So you have to repent. You have to do that. No one else might know what you've done. God knows what you've done. I don't know what you've done. Brendan doesn't know what you've done before you came here. I don't watch you like a hawk. God sees everything. You can't hide from Jesus. He is an omnipresent God. He is in the car with you when you drive. He is beside you in school when you're talking about somebody you shouldn't be talking about. He is beside you. His spirit is there. He's listening to what you're saying. And so we have got to understand that we that, that nobody else might not know what we've done, but God does. But the beauty of it is that even though He knows all of your mistakes, and He knows all of your shame, and He knows all of your hang-ups, He loved you enough to die for you anyway. Just, just, just wrap your head around that. I saw a quote one time that said, it's so amazing that God sees my mistakes of tomorrow and still chooses to be my Savior today. God sees what we're going to do tomorrow wrong, and yet He still loved you enough to let you feel what you feel right now. Think about that for a moment. How powerful the God is that you serve. So there's nothing that you have done that's so bad that God cannot forgive you for it. There's nothing that you've done so bad that God did not die for. He died for those mistakes. He died because He knew that you were going to mess up. But the moment you repent of your sins, the Bible says that He is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. His mercy extends way further than your sins ever could. Don't let the devil convince you that you're too far gone to be used by God. Don't let the devil convince you. Don't let your own thoughts convince you that you have done too much for God to use you. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Because if you've done too much, then Calvary was for no reason. But the point point of Calvary was that He could reach further past your sin and reconcile you back to the cross. It doesn't matter what you've done. So that's step one. You've got to repent. Let me help you right now. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. You are not disqualified from being used by God because you made a mistake. You are not disqualified from being used by God just because you messed up. Just because you cannot sing like somebody else does not disqualify God from using you. Just because you can't preach like somebody else does not mean you're not called to be a preacher. Just because you can't play an instrument like somebody else. I wish I could play piano. I would love to play piano. But you know what? That's not my calling. 
But God gives me what I need to do what I'm called to do. Let me just be a part of the team and let God do what He wants to do. But just because I can't play like somebody else doesn't mean I'm not called to lead worship. God will use you like never before if you get rid of that spirit of comparison. God will use you like never before if you repent of your sins and walk away from those hang-ups and walk away from those addictions. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost and your life will be better than it's ever been. Your life will be more glorious than it's ever been. You will have more peace than you've ever had in your, own, in your entire life. You'll have more joy than you've ever had in your entire life. God will bless you beyond measure. God will use you beyond measure. I'm trying to hurry. So number one, you got to repent. Number two, you have to be baptized in Jesus' name. So Peter said, okay, after you repent and tell God you're sorry for trying to do the thing on your own, you're sorry for the mistakes that you've made, you're sorry for every bad deed you've done in your life, God will forgive you, but it doesn't end there. You have to go down in that water in Jesus' name. Why? Because when you go down in that water in Jesus' name, Peter said it's for the remission of sins. So that word remission means a cancellation of debts. A cancellation of debts. I hope you're understanding how powerful that is right now. When you repent, the sins are forgiven. But when you are baptized, those sins are canceled. They are blotted out. They are erased from your record. And how does it have that kind of power? Because when Jesus was crucified for our sins, that blood that He shed on Calvary has enough power to reach down in your life and erase the mistakes that you've made. It could be anything. Okay, David... Belgard, May 14th, 2010. He did that, but he repented in 2020. Let me reach back into 2010 and let me just erase that sin he did. I'm here to tell you, that's the power of the God that you serve today. Let me tell you something about the blood in the Old Testament. When Moses put his staff in that water in Egypt... We can read it in the book of Exodus. The Bible says he put that staff in that water in Egypt. And the Bible says that the water turned to blood instantly. The, the water turned into blood. And the Bible says that everything in that water died when it turned into blood. And when you get baptized in Jesus' name... You will go down in water, but that water will be spiritually turned into blood. And every unclean thing, every unclean sin, every mistake you've made, every hang-up you had to deal with for years will die in that water because of that blood that He shed on Calvary. There's enough power in this room right now for miracles to take place. There's enough power in this room right now for God to do anything to anybody. It doesn't matter what you came in here with. If you, if you feel like this little insignificant rock today, and you feel like you're not able and you don't qualify, and you're not talented enough, and you have too much that you, you just feel useless, and you feel like God, God can't use you, I'm here to tell you that God can take that same rock and knock down the devil and knock down the giant in your life. Let's all stand.
On behalf of Gravity Student Ministries, thank you so much for checking out today's Plugged In episode. If you're ever in the Centerpoint, Louisiana area and you want to come check out one of our services in person, we have them every Wednesday night, 7.05 p.m. in the Upstairs Youth Sanctuary at Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We would love to have you be a part of us. In the meantime, though, hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the next Plugged In episode. See you later.